Welcome to the Inside LBI podcast, where we go over all things LBI from inside Beach House Realty in Shipbottom, New Jersey. I am your host and local realtor, Mike Spark. And I'm Caitlin Grieve and local broker. And I'm Kevin Bergen, the owner of Beach House Realty. Sit back, relax, and learn a little bit more about this wonderful place that we call Long Beach Island. Welcome to episode 25, where we're joined by Brian Rainwright, the owner of Fantasy Island, where he takes us through his lifetime journey of longtime guest turned owner, his plans for the future, and his changes he's made along the way. Welcome, Brian Wainwright. Great to have you on the podcast. It's great to be here. It's uh, taken a while. It has, mm-hmm. but I'm sorry. No, with your schedule <laughs> and our lack of fellowship, we had to, <laughs> not fellowship, fellowship. Dan's not here for that. <laughs> so how are things going? Things are going really well. Yeah. So tell us how long have you owned Fantasy Island? Uh, this is actually the completion of our sixth summer. February will be the official sixth anniversary of our closing. Yeah, it's been quite the ride. And why did you buy it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is going to be a long story. How much time do we have? As long as you Plenty want. Plenty of time. <laughs> Plenty of time. <laughs> All right. So in the mid-80s, I started going to the park as a kid. My folks bought a house in Village Harbor in the Cove section in the early 80s. And, you know, Manahawk and Stafford, LBI sort of became our, our weekend summer place for a couple of weeks out of the summer. And if you can recall, I mean, that was really the rage of Atlantic city, you know, Trump and the art of the deal and all the casinos was all the rage. And, you know, one thing that I think they did magnificently well at fantasy Island was they created this casino for kids and, you know, you couldn't go to Atlantic city, which, you know, was a bummer, but you had this place in beach Haven that sort of acted like it. So that was sort of our, our thing. You know, my, my father was in the car business so Sundays was his one of the few days off in the New Jersey car business. And we would head down there and, you know, 20 bucks would buy an hour of entertainment in the uh, mid to late eighties and, and just fell in love with it. Uh, really just grew up going there was really more of an arcade kid, not, not much on the rides. And, you know, you sort of grow out of that phase, but I, the place always had a draw for me personally, even through, you know, dating my wife and getting married and, eventually having kids returning there with kids. It just had this special pull for us. I'm not quite sure what about it. It was, but, uh, as luck would have it, my oldest son played basketball. His coach was the general manager of the arcade. And he would obviously see me and my family there quite regularly. And he knew that the owners were interested in moving on. So again, a long string of good luck. Uh, his assistant coach was friends with my wife. He asked her, do you think the Wainwrights would be interested in buying the park? She says, I have no idea. I'll ask. So I get home and I think, you know, from my other business interests, there wasn't a lot of room for time. My wife says, Fantasy Island's for sale and you've got to buy it. (laughs) (laughs) And what happened to, I'll ask. (laughs) Yeah. What the wife says you got to do. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing about that is, most conversations leading up to then was you work too much. You're never around. <laughs> right. Right. So it just sort of shocked me. And, uh, I said, look, I, I don't know anything about the amusement park business other than, you know, going there and having a good time, but it never hurts to meet. So I said, let's set up a meeting, set up a meeting. The general manager set me up with uh, the owners, took me through like behind the scenes of the park. And, you know, as a, as a fan, that was fun. Right. You right. know, 
right. going upstairs in the arcade and sort of behind the scenes. And um, we started some dialogue. Didn't really go very far, very fast, but somehow 15, 16 months later, I found myself at the closing table and, and we owned an amusement park. Wow. Had you met your wife there? Or? No, no, we, we had, uh, a ski ball. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, cer- we, we certainly played, um, spent a fair amount of time there together, but, uh, no, we didn't meet there. Cause it would have been a great part of the story. It would be yeah, yeah, a yeah. classic first mm-hmm. date. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, you know, Finnish Sound, I think has, you know, for folks that have families in this Island, I think there's just this really deep connection we would spend a lot of time as our boys were growing up at the water park next door. So as you're waiting in line for your turn, certainly it's got a great vantage point into the park. And, and as a business owner, I think you can relate to this. It, you know, it's easy to look at somebody else's business and have all these great ideas because you're, you're not in there every day active. And, you know, I'm like, Oh, it's such a cool place, but you know, they could be doing this or right. they should be open more or, or you know, and you, from afar, obviously, you don't understand the economics of all those conversations, which I, I learned very quickly. But that's the long, windy road on how we ended up owning a uh, Fantasy Island amusement park. Your wife made you do it. She, yeah, basically. She, she suggested <laughs> it was, story, yeah. She su- suggested it would be a good idea. But, mm-hmm. you know, had I found out on my own, I certainly would have been interested. But uh, without her push and, and uh, encouragement and support, there's, there's no way. As a casual observer from the water park, what was the one thing or... So that you thought, wow, if I own that, I would probably serve pizza, open up a how you brew in, uh, you know. I, I, I don't know that I was far enough along in my uh, business intellect to have those specifics. But I, I think just even aesthetically, it was just like, all right, you know, it's a, it's a really cool place, but it, it, it could be dressed up. And, and I, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that we've really benefited from in the significant investments we've made over the six years we've been there is, at the same time, the clientele and the and the island demographics have shifted, right? And we've really been rewarded by um, increased traffic from guests. And when you took over, put aside the business part of it, like coming as your out of as your inner child, I guess going in there thinking, I have to have this in the arcade, or I have to have this here because this is what I always wanted to do when I was a kid. Is there anything you got in was like this has to be here? Yeah. Well, look, the first thing you do, actually in advance of closing, I went to the amusement convention that's in November. It's actually next week in Orlando every year. And, and it is like going to the toy store. Mm-hmm. It's the equivalent of what you experience as a kid walking in the Toys R Us heading into the holidays. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so obviously I was literally like the little kid in the candy store look, trying out rides, playing games. And and um, that's where I got my lesson into the costs of things. <laughs> yeah, you look at a a carousel or a tower or, or a game, you, you, you contemplate like what it would cost. You think, you know, it's gotta be a few dollars, but, um, when you, when you see the numbers, it's, you're like, okay, maybe that's why they hadn't done so much in so long, but, um, you know, nothing specific comes to mind as far as, um, an attraction or a game or a ride. I, I was just clear that and when we had to just start picking stuff off, my initial thought was I'm not going to do anything for a year. I'm just going to observe. I'm going to learn. And it was a great idea that I could not discipline myself to actually do. <laughs> so, so that first, that first trade show, um, even before ownership, I signed a contract on a new ride, the, the little pirate ship, just cause it was awesome and had the right colors and was a great fit. And it, it, I think it sent a message to the team, like, you know, all right, 
like we haven't seen a new ride in how many years and this guy's here 15 minutes and here comes our first new ride. So, you know, that was, that was a neat experience. You know, I think for me, it was just about, you know, tightening up the corners. It was always such a, a great experience there. I think they've done a magnificent job long before us with mm -hmm. the guest experience and the team members and the kids that work there. So there was, there was big shoes to fill. Yeah. Would, you, would you say carrying the, the pre, like, did you carry the previous year's staff or was there a quality that you would look for in, in hiring to kind of maintain that nostalgia and that, that welcoming, warming feeling, you know, I guess, what are you looking for in your, in your hiring process? Yeah. So to answer your question, I obviously not knowing anything about the amusement park business, you know, I wanted to make sure contractually I could keep as many people as possible because I just had this image of showing up on the first day, everybody quitting. And then now what, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got this great piece of land with this cool stuff on it. I don't even know how to operate any of it. So, so yeah, I mean, the, the leadership team that was in place for many years, the mechanics, the operators, they, they all stayed through the transition. You know, many of them are still there today. Most businesses go through a transition. Some people, you know, love the change and the pulling the business forward. Some, you know, are sort of stuck in the past and, you know, they, they decide to go in a different direction, you know, not, not bad or good. It's just typically what I've seen occur. Typical evolution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As, as far as, you know, the, you know, what you look to hire, you know, I think there's sort of some simple rules about just, you can't be a jerk and work here. Right. The rest we can train you for. We're very fortunate that we've got great leadership and a gentleman by the name of Matt Freed that joined us um, very early on. And, and he really, he leads the business today and he does a great job with our exchange students and hires and, and um, caring for them in a way that has them showing up for our guests in the right way. So it's very proud of what we do down there. Did you know Matt before you bought the park from Dan or? No, so it's. Um, so I knew Matt before Fantasy Island, I think. Did you really? I think he was working for Dan as a youth pastor or youth yeah yeah youth in charge of the youth group so so i didn't know either one of them at the time funny story so around the same time of, of that amusement convention it for our other business i was looking for a marketing director and we had um jobs posted and we're interviewing folks and somebody came and applied for the position that was in the amusement business there was nothing about the job related to the amusement that this individual was applying for and it was just sort of an added bonus. I just, one of those spooky coincidences, if you will, or good luck. And I just saw it as a sign that, you know, hey, this is going to come together and this person needs to be part of the team. And that's Jen Quinn, our marketing director today. Uh, she had worked with Matt in the past. They were at a wedding for a mutual friend. He had heard where she went to work and, you know, who was buying the park and said, hey, you know, tell me about this guy and what's going on. And you know, Jen sort of said, hey, I don't know if anything will come of it, but, you know, there's a good guy I want you to meet. We sat down for an hour, had a conversation, and I, it was clear of somebody I wanted to work with. Well, is that how you met Dan? Through Matt? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Small world, right? Yes, yeah, sure. Sure is. It's, uh, so how many people How many people are employed at the park? I'd say how many work, but, you know, yeah. like, like the Vatican, 50%. <laughs> well, <laughs> Here it's two, but besides the point. <laughs> As you can imagine, with youth, the, the hours and availability are limited, right? Some folks can work 20 hours, some can work five. So, I mean, we'll end up with several hundred employees in a season. Uh, what we carry year round is 25 or so. That many? Yeah. 
And are they mostly mechanics or? Um, everybody has, uh, you know, dual roles, I would say, but, you know, ride operators, mechanics, um, you know, they can do the whole facet of it. Yeah. Going back to, you know, you purchased it, you mentioned six years ago. Upon entry, not only did you purchase new rides, but then you were hit, obviously, with a pandemic. And then following a pandemic, you decided to basically reinvent the places. Not entirely, but from a, I guess, curb appeal point of view. Can you walk us through, I guess, part A, what the pandemic was and was not for you? And B, you know, kind of take us behind the scenes of the renovations and what we see as Fantasy Island today. Yeah, so... The leading up to the pandemic, we had just completely gutted and remodeled the ice cream parlor and the restrooms. So right out the gate, gutted the ice cream parlor. Well, it was one of the first things that we did. There was a few others, but on the heels of that, I don't know if you'd recall, but the ice cream parlor burnt down, caught on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, it was early March of 2020. So it was like, you know, just at the start of the pandemic. So we had the fire to deal with. And, and then the news that we weren't going to be able to open, it was a scary time. Uh, it was a really scary time. Um, you know, we were in another business retail that we were fortunate to be declared a, you know, a necessary business to remain open and, you know, sort of all things worked out, but we weren't able to open and operate until July. Uh, I will tell you, it, it was probably my proudest season of the team because um, all that went into securing the park, making it safe and the amount of effort and energy it took. I mean, we were, we were disinfecting rides in between ride cycles um, <laughs> so that people could get outside and have some place to go and enjoy it and be safe. You know, I learned about things I didn't really want to learn about, but it was uh, really proud. And, and, you know, people were so grateful to be able to do it. And those folks that didn't want to come, I certainly respect their decision, but it, it was scary. Uh, so, you know, obviously that was a pause for us. We had a, you know, plan on what we wanted to do over what period of time and that pushed everything out for sure. And then we got to rebuild the ice cream parlor for a second time because of the fire having just completed it. The good news is we knew all the material selections and, <laughs> yep. and all the contractors yep. and, and we were able to, to do that pretty quickly. You know, by the middle of the season, uh, we were able to, the following season, get it back open, but uh, interesting times for sure. Definitely. And now we can't avoid the giant pie in the sky. You know, talk to us about the renovation of the Ferris wheel and kind of rebuilding the the curb appeal, so to speak. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, one of the things that we decided during the pandemic was the arcade is critically important to our business. It, it really is the center of the the hub and, and what brings guests there and certainly allows us to operate in all weather conditions. And obviously we're open year round in the arcade. So there was never going to be a good time to remodel that building. So we said, look, we're let's make the most of it. We're not allowed to be open. Let's get this thing tuned up as best we can. And, and obviously the, some of the damage and smoke inhalation from the fire sort of, you know, it made that uh, more necessary than ever. What a uh, casino that doesn't smell like smoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seems kind of fitting. Yeah. The crazy thing is <laughs> when I was first going there as a kid, you could smoke in there just like a regular casino. Oh, wow. Can, can you imagine that yeah. today? Oh, no, it's, it's not at all. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, it was so normal, but, uh, so the arcade we, we we saw as the as the first most important thing. Uh, I shouldn't say the first, but the most important thing. And we made significant investments. We we made sure that we invested in HVAC units that were hospital quality air. And if there was ever a thing called the pandemic again, that we would be 
able to, to be the equivalent of a school or a hospital because we, we, you know, we understand people are bringing their kids there. I mean, there's nothing more important, more valuable to people than their kids. You know, and I think that, um, you know, to answer your question as far as the other investments and improvements, it's been a mix of, you know, what ride needs to get replaced most based on age or mechanical condition or obviously post-pandemic, there's market conditions and supply chain issues and who can deliver what when. But, you know, the giant wheel is an iconic ride for the park. Obviously, you, you see as you approach down the, the boulevard, we, we knew it was important that that stayed what it was. And we contemplated bigger and higher and all of that. And, you know, having the park sit on a sandbar, you know, sort of makes some of those things difficult, yeah. which is, is kind of crazy. But ultimately, we, we landed up with the exact same ride we had, just the modern day version with some new safety enhancements. But at the same time, we knew that this was our, our opportunity to finish up the front of the park, if you will. So there, if you, I don't know if you would recall, but on the corner used to be a shooting gallery. Yep. In our first season, given the events that had gone on um, in the Northeast, it just didn't seem appropriate to have folks walk in and see a shooting gallery. So that was the last time that game operated. It just wasn't inconsistent with, you know, who we wanted to be. So that is in the midst of being built as a, as a pizza shop, as you can imagine, uh, going to a, a boardwalk-like environment to not be able to have pizza sort of seems like an anti-New Jersey thing. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited for what that'll be. We're going to um, operate that sort of in a joint venture with the folks at Panzone. So we'll be open, hopefully trying to get it open at some point this year, as silly as that sounds. But in order, we do get a lot of folks in the wintertime that do birthday parties in the arcade. Looking for something to do with their kids in the winter. That's so right. That's perfect, yeah. And, you know, you get days, beautiful days like this, even in December and January, mm -hmm. where, you know, folks are, are wanting to hang out a little bit longer. So, so and, and then, you know, that sort of, you know, connect the dots to the, the front gates. The front gates are, you know, had been so iconic and been the same for so long, but it was tired. And we wanted to make sure that it, it was, when we did that, it sort of stitched together all the other changes that we had made with moving the boardwalk games up front and the new game pavilions, but we're really proud of how it looks. Absolutely. Yeah, it I looks, we, it looks absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the much Thank needed you. renovations mm -hmm. that have carried on the legacy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain building here in the center of the Island that has been up for <laughs> question. I don't know if you knew this question was coming or not. Oh gosh. But, oh, yeah. oh, okay. but yeah. the mystery needs to be, <laughs> you know, revealed. Okay. What, what is happening Do with the old, with the old CVS here on the circle in chip bottom? Okay. Is there anything happening? So, um, you know, after a, a long uh, legal battle, we, we prevailed and are able to operate that space as, you know, an amusement facility, um, arcade and the like. You know, candidly, we've been really focused on getting Beach Haven to where we felt it needed to be. The, you know, as you start out on those legal journeys, you don't have a defined timeline, whether it's going to take a year, two or five so we had sort of shelved our plans and, um, you know, when we finally had line of sight to that being over, you know, we had to make some decisions about, you know, what needed to be handled and what order we sort of had scheduled things in advance. So it will happen if there's any question about that. So you are buying it. <laughs> oh, it's ours. Yeah. It's all right. good ours. to know I didn't lie to all the people at uh, the Arlington Beach Club and they asked me what was going there. I said, oh, there's going to be an arcade there. So yeah. I didn't lie. <laughs> Yeah, we're really excited. I mean, yeah. obviously, I don't know that there's a better position building geographically on Long Beach Island. Yeah, great and, spot. And certainly, you know, the folks on the on the north end of the island, you know, it's a chore to get to Beach Haven in the summer. 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think having something at the midpoint will, will help that, um, provide some entertainment for that side of the Island. And our intention is to be open year round. So it's easy access on and off, the, um, the causeway for folks on the mainland. We're going to try to make it unique and different, you know, maybe, um, tilt it more 13 plus to give you know, some of the, that age group more to do. But, um, you know, once we find out the determination next week and determine a timeline, it'll really be the selections we make for that will be determined by the timeline, but definitely virtual reality will be an element. Um, there's been a lots of cool advances yeah. in that space. It's lots of fun. Now, I don't know how old your children are, but do you find that you're using them as a guiding light here to help develop <laughs> these new perks of the parks? I mean, it's. Yeah, it's, um, so my kids are, are 19, 15 and 13. They okay. all have very, um, diverse opinions. Um, they've certainly influenced the direction of the park and, um, we actually have a new train that was uh, that's just leaving Italy this week, um, making its way here for next season. And my my middle guy is a train enthusiast, so I had to get uh, design approval by him. So um, he did sign off on it, and it uh, it looks great. It's themed after the the train that used to run up and down the island. So we're excited for that. But wow. but yeah, the, the short answer to your question is they certainly do. Some days they're more interested in the conversation than others, as you can imagine. But my, my youngest is the most interested in, and begs to go to the show <laughs> sure. in Florida. So I uh, mean, what a dream as a kid, you know, it's like, I get my to dad owns Fantasy Island. <laughs> I get to design my own arcade, yeah. my own park. Right. Yeah. What a cool thing. Yeah. Cool yeah. Thing. It, it's uh, certainly when I took them there for the first time to share the news with them, it wasn't a place unfamiliar to them, but certainly when when I was able to unlock the door on the time when it was closed, it was a pretty funny experience. We were just, just revisiting that recently and it was pretty neat. Yeah. So how many people do you think come <laughs> through the park? Uh, I wish I knew with certainty. I wish I knew, you know, here, here's the problem. You know, one of the advantages of Fantasy Island is you sort of can come and do as much or as little as you want, but there's no paid gate, right? which is where all the parks would develop their attendance. Most of it's off of, you know, chasing phone data. And it's difficult to measure how many folks are in multiple times. So it is an elusive number for us. I would love to know. I'm sure many others would find it useful too. We did install traffic counters in our first year, but with multiple entrances and exits, you have no idea how many times you're counting people. So it's a futile effort. Mm -hmm. hundred thousand, six million. (laughs) You know, I, I think we'd be shocked. I think it's, I think it's probably two to 300,000. Wow. That's crazy. It's a lot of people. I guess yeah. you could go off of like credit card transactions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can guess, you know. Yeah. Then I, again, not everybody uses a credit card. And, and you have, yeah. you got rid of the tickets, right? Wasn't that the big controversy? Didn't you get rid of the ski ball spinning out tickets? Well, yeah. Our first, that was one of our, that was probably the first thing we invested in was to get rid of the, basically cash and tickets. And, and that was just from an efficiency perspective. As a, as a, a guest of the park, I was completely against it. I loved the idea of, you know, going there with coins and filling up this bag or bucket with, with your winnings. But it was clear in the industry, this is where it was headed. Uh, you know, she's the, the, the people that worked there before I owned the park, they were there until God knows when counting and shredding. And it was, it was an unbelievable chore. I mean, I, I, I must've taken four or five people obscene amount of hours just sort of to maintain it. So it, w- it was the right move for sure from a business perspective and convenience perspective. And, you know, I think there's an argument for, for the, the quarters place. And, and I think that's why some of these retro places are, are, are popular because people miss it. But 
it was one of the first things that we did. And it was, uh, I would say a 90, 10, 90% of the people were thrilled to not be lugging around their kids' stuff. And 10% of the people were, were really upset by it. And I, I get it. Was there any uh, pushback for anything that you did that people didn't like? Yeah, I think we get a certain percentage of pushback on all of it. And, and, um, and I, I will tell you that uh, I, on my primary device, I don't have any social media for that reason because we all pour over it. Um, we take all of that feedback into consideration with everything we do. But yeah, I, I would say all of it. Kevin, like from the arcade changes to the, you know, what we're talking about here to, to the rides, you know, some folks opinion is that, you know, we're, we're ruining their childhood. And, and, you know, I, I think it, what's important for people to understand is, is that, you know, fantasy Island as it existed six years ago, wasn't going to last very long. And, you know, our, our commitment was we want to keep this place alive so that it's there for future memories. We're, we're not ruining your childhood. In fact, you know, those memories are yours forever. We just want to make sure that you can come with your kids and your grandkids and have the same experience. And it'll be different. You're not going to be riding the exact same seat on the Ferris wheel, unfortunately. And, you know, probably one day it won't be the same carousel horse. And, and you know, that's just in the spirit of, you know, keeping the park relevant and, and safe most of all. You know, if you're, if I was on the new giant wheel in undesirable 35 mile an hour winds. It was uncomfortable because it's not really the time you want to be, you know, up there, but I, I felt completely safe. I mean, the sides of the, of the seat come up to about shoulder height and, and, and the old ride, there's, you couldn't have paid me to do that. So, you know, I, I think that's overlooked. And, and the good reason, the good thing is that it's overlooked because, Safety's always been paramount at Fantasy Island for its whole life, long before us and long after. And so safety's not a thought for them because there's, we don't give them a reason for it to be. But that's really the reason behind all those decisions. Right. So obviously, what is the favorite? What's the favorite ride? Attraction. As far as from a guest perspective? Yeah. Uh, sea Dragon by far. Oh, definitely. So sea yeah. Dragon by far. The Sea Dragon actually at this very moment is being disassembled. The, the new one is almost complete. Myself and the team at the end of November, we're flying to Wichita, Kansas to see the new one. It's called uh, the Revenge of the Sea Dragon. And it, it's very much the same ride, but again, updated for safety. And we're gonna add some really neat features that I think folks will enjoy, but it'll be the same ride. So, you know, most of what we've done candidly is just replace or upgrade what's been there. You know, phase two is, you know, let's add some new cool stuff, but we've had to deal with some of these other things first. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your earlier question, Kevin, because um, I don't want, I, I don't want it to be lost on people that these changes are, are done lightly because we obsess over them. We obsess over how people will respond, how they'll perceive them. And we always try to be true to who the park has been for everybody and the design of it um, when we choose colors and how it looks and how it lights up and I, I think it'd be important for us to have people be left with. It is not like we do this over a cup of coffee. We obsess over months and, and years talking about, you know, what we're going to need to do and what it ought to look like and how we best serve our guests in the future. Well, it's hard to argue with changes that are in rides for safety purposes, yeah. right? especially <laughs> the Ferris wheel. And Yeah. You'd you know. be surprised. I mean, the, uh, sea dragon is 39 years old. And the giant wheel was 35. Wow. In a salt air environment, having been through how many storms? I mean, yeah. and, and, and they all operated flawlessly. There was no 
you know, serious safety concern or any of that. But, you know, at some point you stop gambling. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Time runs out on certain things. Yeah. You don't want that to be on your watch. That's right. That's for sure. That's right. Do you think you've fully adopted what you can based off of what you've learned in these shows? Like, are you at a point or is Fantasy Island at a point that like we are latest cutting edge technology? Or do you think this has been a slower adoption? Now, I, I, I think, you know, first of all, the industry is, is really alive and well, and, and the investment in advancement is, in um, new technology continues. Um, virtual reality is still in the very early stages. Uh, I'm really excited to be able to showcase that in ship bottom. You know, one of the challenges we face at Fantasy Island and Beach Haven is, is the ceiling height in the arcade. All of these new attractions are so tall, that it limits sometimes what we can do. So, um, the short answer to your question is no, and, and some of those limitations play into it. As far as the direction of, of the park, you know, we're, I think in the next two or three years, we'll be at a place where it, it'll be as if all of what was old is new, and we'll be making decisions on what are the enhancements, what are, what are the new rides that we're going to add, are we going to, you know, take down or redo buildings to expand and, and allow for different opportunities. Um, you know, I think... Um, you know, we've added a lot of different food options through the years. I think that, uh, you know, folks want to hang out and have good quality meals. And uh, I think we've got some opportunity there. So would you say you're winning at Roller Coaster Tycoon right now? <laughs> I don't know. I, I certainly would, would appreciate somebody gifting me some land. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's parts of the state that are gifted some sand every year and they are able to expand. <laughs> Now, a big, a big thing, and, and this will tune to uh, Kevin's, you know, music here, is, is virtual golf. Is that something that you've considered in this new build? Because that's such a hit right now. Yeah, I don't know, Kevin, if it's you under a pseudonym, but I do get a lot of feedback with people <laughs> suggesting that, <laughs> that... 20 that, different screen names. Yeah, that, yeah. It, that it would do spectacular. Interestingly enough, a, a friend of mine just opened a, a very similar format business, with um, the leading golf simulator. I haven't had an opportunity to visit. It, it is certainly something that we've considered for there. You do need a bit more space and typically you need something to entertain while folks are doing that. And that typically encompasses, you know, eating and drinking. So adding that to that facility based on what it is, 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 is not practical, but I, I do think there's a place for it. Uh, whether it'll be there, I don't know. What does it mean to you to have a hand in so many people's memories and hold such an important keystone to the Long Beach Island experience. What does that, what does that, how does that feel? Well, I, ho I hope what you said is true because I certainly see it that way. At least that's the, the fantasy we sell ourselves. You know, I, I think one of the things that really drew us to this opportunity was when I moved here full time in the early 90s, you know, this area, you know, gave birth to two of my other businesses. And you know, as those business opportunities expanded um, to several other states, you know, we would get on airplanes and get in cars and go and do uh, charitable work elsewhere. And, and I think that the park really gave me and my family the opportunity to say, look, you know, this is the community between the mainland and here that gave birth to all of our success, you know, which is 26 plus years ago now. And I can't think of a better way to connect to the community and give back than through an amusement park. And, you know, whether it's partnering with our first responders for special events or 
inviting the kids across the street at the school over to come and play. It, it, it fills us up, really. It's a, it's a privilege. It comes with a lot of responsibility, particularly, particularly when folks are bringing their kids to your park and putting their trust in you to care for them. Um, but it, it, it is a privilege. We see it that way. Heavy stuff, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just now you're in charge of, uh, you're in charge of making the memories. That's right. And that's a pretty big load, especially for all of us who went there as kids and or brought our kids and Caitlin's one year old will be going down there, yeah. you know, shortly. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it's a huge part of LBI. Yeah. Certainly. It's certainly from my point of view, all of Beach Haven. Yeah. Like you said before, people are saying you're ruining our childhood, but in essence, you're creating a new childhood for everybody right. else. Right. So right. with everything new. Life changes, but mm-hmm. in terms of Fantasy Island, you have really haven't made a change too much. And you're only doing it in the eye of safety and in ensuring that these... Aesthetics and, you know, like they're not driving the same car that their mom <laughs> drove them down there with, you know. Well, there's one ride where they are, and I think, <laughs> I think, I think we'll keep it that way. But, you know, it's... Um, it's got to be some element of risk, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um Look, the families are making the memories. We're just trying to provide an incredible backdrop for it all to happen. But I, I do believe, and, and I don't know if it's true or not, that, you know, the more we invest and the better we make it, the more folks will want to come. And I think LBI is the kind of place that, you know, we want to attract families to. So if, if there isn't a draw, I mean, obviously there's the beach and the bay and uh, you can't compete with that, but... You know, the kids, you know, can only do so much boogie boarding and grabbing. And I think it's just part of, you know, one or two days in their week or two vacation. And, and, um, we take that responsibility really seriously. Do we see the drone art uh, from my email last week? Do we see the drone art coming into the fantasy Island family? Uh, I don't know. I'm mean, certainly going to do some homework on that. Um, I, you know, I think creating new and unique experiences is, is something that calls me those drone shows that they do are so creative and, and amazing that certainly would love to have Beach Haven and Fantasy Island attached to that idea. Mike's a drone guy. Yeah. I'm a drone yeah. guy. Have you seen that? You've seen the drone art, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's insane. It's yeah. good. Problem is again, you got to have land to stage 200, 300 yeah. drones to take off at once. Right. Yeah. And be in a windy environment. I'd, I'd love to see the, <laughs> the challenge, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, um, you think fireworks in the wind is hard, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so where, uh, where's fantasy Island going? You know, are you open all year round? Yeah. Yeah. We're open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday year round. Um, you know, breaks like this week when kids are off, uh, Thanksgiving and the holidays were, were open during those times. Uh, great place for a birthday party. You know, I think uh, one of the things that drew us to this industry was, you know, when our kids grew up, I got tired of driving to Mays Landing and Tom's River and Lakewood for a kid's birthday party. And, you know, hopefully we can help solve that as well in Ship Bottom. Um, But yeah, that's uh, open year round and really excited for this upcoming season. We'll have the the new Sea Dragon and a brand new train. Amazing. Amazing. Well, most importantly, should we want to do any of those special events or if we're just looking for general information, how do we get a hold of you or your team for our next big event? Uh, FantasySoundLBI.com would be the best place to um, see what we've got going on. Some some great offers coming up around uh, Black Friday and through the holiday season. Awesome. Yeah. It's been really, really such an eye-opening pleasure and a little bit of, you know, in-depth behind the scenes of the place we all know, love. 
Thank you so much for coming on today, Brian. Yeah, I appreciate it. I must have talked too much because Kevin's been very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Not it. at all. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thank for you. Coming. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, you got it. Thank Take you. care.